bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Adrian Me, joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello. Mr. Brian Brushwood. Live from Austin, Texas. And Mr. Bryce Castillo. I'm also live from Austin, Texas. Brian and me always live from Austin, yep. Texas. Yep. That's how it always is. I'm also live from Austin, Texas, what? guys. <laughs> oh, how did you, how'd here. you get here? I'm here. Oh my I'm God. here. Yeah, I'm Hi. house hunting and uh, I'm here. So I'm very excited to be here and I'm very excited to get weird. Yeah, I'm 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 not in Austin. No. 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 Not yet. Uh, you know where I could be? Where? I could be in space. You could. You could. Was 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 that a Super Bowl ad last night? Did I did I imagine that? Did I did I hallucinate <laughs> that they said go to space and that was the whole no, ad? Brian. We we had uh, you know, we know it's 2021 because we had a 5 second ad from Reddit championing the fact that you know wall street memes was able to uh well you know or wall street bets was able to like take on at least for a short period of time the hedge fund industry and then we also had an ad that says hey uh sign up you could be chosen to go to space into this year oh wow i guess i did not see that i must have been away from the the the, the laptop when this happened i i did not even I, even see this uh, uh ad so wait, what is what is this Th- this i believe this is the story we talked about is this the one that goes around the moon no 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 that's a different no, that one. that's that's a private that's dish moon. right right yeah. right okay well then i don't know what no. this is so this was just announced a couple of weeks ago. Jared Isaacman, who is the founder and CEO of Shift for Payments, who I never, I never even heard of him or it until this was announced. But apparently he's very wealthy, and he went to SpaceX and said, "Hey, how much to put like four average Joes, including myself?" But he's actually a pilot too. Like he like like collects like jet planes and stuff. But like, how much to put four people onto? Uh, your rocket and they're like oh cool yeah we can make this happen and so i guess he's selecting they're sending four humans to space himself and then uh they're going to pick three other people basically you can donate or you can just email whatever to he's trying to raise money for saint jude's hospital so he's doing this as a fundraiser too to basically help donate you know and get things going I also promote his business i think it's smart i have no problem any with anything he's doing i think it's all cool what he's doing so basically himself and three other people it's giving them a chance to win a ticket to space. Wow. This will be like world. legit space. Yeah. What a crazy world. You know, th- there was a lot of stuff because Tom Brady's so old and he keeps winning Super Bowls uh, that like we're pointing out all the commercials were there that, that were airing during his first Super Bowl. And a lot of it are businesses that are no longer with us. And, 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 and uh, you know, like uh, businesses and verticals that no longer exist. I'll be proud when we look back at 2021 and say, oh, this was the first year that people were advertising space travel, right? At, at, at a point in a few years from now when it's like, hey, uh, book your family's space vacation. Uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be pumped to say 2021. That was when the first time somebody advertised a trip to space on the Super Bowl. Advertised in a non-adjacent way, not in a... Uh... The same people who bring you scotch tape also bring you Velcro, which is used <laughs> on the moon. Space, it's great. Buy 3M. That was, you know, yeah, play. that's, that's uh, especially in such a weird year that those ads were so weird in, in, in just being like, like, uh, like some very dramatic situation where there's like a car accident and somebody's calling the hospital and then it's like, at Chipotle, we very much <laughs> believe in fresh ingredients. And it's like, uh, uh, this one at least was straight ahead. This was just, we're sending people to space. You want to go to space? Come on up to space. This isn't a, a thing for another thing. This isn't Bruce Springsteen talking about how we need to heal America so we can sell a Jeep. Like, this is this is just go to space. So you can go to inspiration4.com. Um, for some people, they're like, man, this looks a lot like the Fantastic Four logo, and we know how that turned out. Uh, awesome. Oh, yeah. For three out of four of them, 
one of them yeah. slunk into a crippling depression and later would stay on an alien world just so he could pretend to be human for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but he always got like met beautiful women though. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, but nobody wanted Ben Graham's like the depressed guy. He got the hot girlfriend. You're like, what 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 is your problem? Look at all people look at your girlfriend's beautiful. She's blind. It doesn't matter. She's beautiful. <laughs> She's a fox, you moron. <laughs> 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 people are gonna look at me weird you're made of rocks you're invulnerable yeah, like, exactly. you're the funniest one in the group like like everyone yeah. likes you like my, yeah. my name is synonymous with the gross one come on guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think johnny storm's living this you know the, the that he's one fever dream away from emulating you know his girlfriend or whoever's with them if you think about it you oh, know yeah that really, that really was like three. So. Uh, three of the four names were like badass, and then the fourth one is like I don't know. How about the gross? What about thing? Scuzz Bucket? <laughs> yeah. What What about the thing under your shoe that you just wish you could yeah. grow gross? So we no guarantee that you'll be exposed to cosmic radiation and get superpowers, but there's no guarantee you so won't. Yeah. So what they're they're saying here, if I can read this uh, website correctly, is. He is going for the different elements of of like what generosity, prosperity, hope, and then he is slotting himself in as leadership, which I guess you get to do when you're chartering a a trip to space. Yeah, when you're yeah. when you're literally leading the yeah when thing. you're when you're a literal leader. Uh, <laughs> generosity Mer is like uh, generosity. All the people funding my journey to space, prosperity. A reflection of the money that allowed me to go to space. Hope, my wishes that I'll be able to go to space. Uh, Leadership, me. The end. Andrew, as somebody who has worked uh, uh, creating television, and Brian as well, uh, <laughs> when I look at that, it feels very adaptable to a television or web medium where where An unscripted reality type of thing yeah i mean you have to make it it's not full bachelor i don't think you have to do but but certainly just highlighting great work that people have done the kind of people that are attracted to it explaining the desire to go to space it seems like something that would be very on 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 brand and and uh, exhibitionable i guess for for a lack of a better word do, do you think that they might take that in that direction they got to be getting calls from hollywood saying hey can we document this right considering that bryce dallas howard shot the commercial yeah uh i here's here's this like i you know years ago i hear people like oh you know we could pay for a trip to mars if we just like and they go like i got an idea I'm like what is it? reality tv and i'm like you don't know how reality tv works you no. have no little idea how much money is in it which is not that much and two reality tv is all about very bad personalities people you would not want to be friends with you know who you don't put into space? Right. People you would not want yeah. to be friends with. People who are going to create drama. Like the, the that's they literally test for that, where it's like, yeah. are you somebody who can put things behind you, who can get along, who can understand that the mission comes first and all that stuff? Yeah. If you follow astronauts, like when you meet like the people who are like the best ones, like they're super brilliant, super smart people. They literally are annoying because they are like perfect people. You know, not not all astronauts. Let me make that very clear. I'm talking about the Hashtag ones that not like, all astronauts. Yeah, the ones that keep getting selected again and again. They're like they go home and read their newspaper. You know, they play with the dog. They go do this. And you're like, how how who lives like this? You know. And so I would say that I think there's probably kind of a really it could be a great movie, a great documentary in there or something. There's absolutely something great. I don't. There could be a great story there, but I, I it'll take some work to sort of pull it out. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that it's necessarily going to be reality television in, in, in the tropes per se, but I do think that there, there are models even there, like, like an undercover boss or, or, or maybe if you just took out all the good hearted uh, segments of, of shark tank or something like well, and that, where, where you are rooting for underdogs to do a thing and, and you're choosing amongst good options. And, and I think that, that there's some amount, like you can't stop some amount of the media circus from happening. I mean, and, and you know, unfortunately, the closest parallel that, that, that springs to mind is, you know, the, the shortly before the Challenger disaster. You know, it's like that was so exciting and so relatable of an average citizen going up to space. Uh, I guess we saw it again with Dennis Tito and, and with our friend Richard Garriott. 
Um, two yeah. average guys, two just average blue collar guys. Well, I mean, you know, not not you know. Okay. I mean, but 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 that being said, we're in a, a media age now where he could just pay a great director, a great director of photography, to do YouTube things that would put up, and that would capture. Uh, uh, the attention he could certainly probably land a, a big sponsor to at least pay for that uh, 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 production for it. If what he really wants is just exposure, I mean, I'm sure he could book himself yeah. on plenty of talk shows and stuff like that to talk about it as as people become more invested. Yeah, I think you know it'll it'll. I think what you guys were saying is like you get get people involved in the people. You know, yes. once we meet the faces of who this is, and you like you know Bob and Doug who those guys were like a year before and then all oh little kids like i like bob and doug and that because like they're just these super likable guys and you know nasa has an incredible media machine and and you know there is way more than people realize uh and it did a great job of all of a sudden people knew bob and doug were and and here this is not nasa this is going to be uh um you know this is a totally disowned but i mean when isaacman's got the money to pour into this and buy super bowl spots and stuff and just a quick aside like I would say for we you get it, but maybe and a lot of our listeners do, but a lot of people don't understand how much of everything you see that comes that comes from celebrities, politicians, or CEOs get filtered through PR firms. Yeah. You know, you'll hear, oh, so and so just came out with a book. Yeah, because they sat down ten months ago with their pub, their PR team and they said, "What do we need to do?" And they're like, "How about a book?" And they're like, "I don't have time to write a book." And they laughed at them like, "You're not going to write the book. We're going to have somebody else write the book for you, but we're going to tell your story." CEOs do this all the time, you know, right before they're going to make their exit or when they're trying to justify who they are. Politicians do this, whatever, and it's all part of that manufactured process. And so there are systems in place that you can yes. say, "Hey, I've got money to put into this. Let's go make this work." Yeah. Oh. Oh. Totally. And and I don't think that you slip and fall and accidentally buy a Super Bowl ad directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, right? <laughs> like yeah. that is that is a very deliberate step forward because you are looking to establish in the mind share of America and, and all ships at sea that this is a thing that's happening. Get ready, be excited. It's going to be super fun. Yeah. And you don't just slip and fall and find yourself on the talk show circuit. Like, Oh, they just called me up and I wanted to, this. like, no, oh, the, the yeah. people you paid a lot of money to called in favors and you know, Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there are times when the talk shows are like, oh, we want to do a thing and, and they might reach out to somebody. But otherwise, no, this is there's an entire ecosystem that makes the wheels go round on, on this kind of stuff. Yeah, I saw I'd see I'd see some of that kind of horse trading too, like when I worked with like network stuff and all that, because like, you know, I'd like sometimes I'd get a contact and the next thing I know, like the PR thing from the network person would be pulling them. So like, hey, listen, I need to get so and so on this week, whatever, blah, 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 you know, yeah. um, and. I think I once had somebody try to trade my spot away for somebody else's spot too. Really? Not realizing I was in the email chain, not realizing it was my contact. I'm like, oh, what if we put so and so instead or whatever? And I'm like, hello, it's my contact. This Hi, is, I still put here. you in touch with them. Yeah. 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 I was awkward. Well, you want to know it's not awkward, Andrew. That is supporting us at patreon.com slash weird things. At patreon.com slash weird things. You not only get the self satisfaction of keeping this show. Uh, uh, live and independent each and every Monday, but also you get your custom RSS feed. You put it in the podcatcher of your choice. You get the After Things podcast before anybody else. It's just that simple. Weird Things, or sorry, uh, uh, patreon.com slash weird things. Or as we like to say, why go to the stars when you can be a star, a star in our hearts, mm. a heart star at Weird Things. Be a heart star. Patreon.com slash weird things. So uh, we have a new person entering into the workforce. Um, looks like they're stepping down from their job and maybe going to focus on some hobbies. Maybe they need a new job. And that is Mr. Uh, Jeff Bezos. Big money Bezos. Ooh. Got a little bit more time on his hand. So speculation is about, so Jeff Bezos is stepping down from being the CEO of Amazon and uh, Andrew Jassy is going to step in. Who'd been running the web services, which tells you really what, where the money is in Amazon. And I mean, now, just, just a, is, yeah, a, a, a remarkable thing, just, just cause I want to, I want to touch on this and, and I've been, you know, because there are political consequences and tech consequences, I've been spending a lot of time with this story, but 
it really bears mentioning if we're if we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about Jassy, but that man turned Amazon's biggest expense into its biggest profit center. There was a time in which the thing that they spent the most money on was hosting. They pioneered AWS, which is the concrete by which the internet is made on. And now it is, they own a third of a market where I think the next largest is 8% or something like that. Like they are just absolutely insane. Bezos had previously stepped away from day-to-day operations and with the rumors kind of being that he wanted to make this move in 2020. Then 2020 happened. Amazon basically ran the infrastructure for society for uh, uh, certainly the first half of the year and has continued to at a, at a larger capacity. But this, this is now him actually not only doing what he had done before, stepping back from day-to-day activities, but fully saying, this is the new guy. I'm ascending to uh, a, a higher echelon on the board. But I think what, Andrew, you're getting at is that it might also mean he's going to get a lot more hands-on with some of his other projects. Yeah, and chief among them might be Blue Origin, which Blue Origin was started two years before SpaceX, and it has not had the kind of record that SpaceX has had, but they've done some interesting, cool things. And there is, and I would say that there has been, I'm I'm not going to get into kind of the, uh, kind of the, the the shady sort of back and forth the stuff of like blue origin like trying to patent you know landing on a barge and other stuff which i think wasn't really helpful in trying to lock spacex out of a launch pad there's some stuff there that i don't think was really didn't help the look of blue origin and whatnot and maybe there's the allegation that spacex did similar things so i don't want to get into that but their be4 engines the next generation engines they developed are really cool they built a really neat you know reusable suborbital rocket system We've yet to see them put a payload into orbit, which, you know, for a space company that is 20 years old now, um, I think it's time, <laughs> you know, and I think that they have the they they have the people, they yeah. have a lot of capability, but I would say part of the problem is, is that like when Jeff was just off writing checks, you know, and out there running Amazon, you probably have a different sort of sense of pressure than if you're SpaceX and Elon's telling you like, yeah, no, if we don't get this NASA contract, uh, we're going to have to let a lot of people go. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and that's, that's the thing is for blue origin there in any other, in any other timeframe, they'd be like, Oh wow. What a productive space company. You've made some Mm -hmm. rockets. Like it looks like you've actually done some testing. That's really cool. What tremendous promise blue origin. Unfortunately, they are contemporaries with SpaceX, which has just redefined the game of what a successful private rocket company should be. Well, and and along those lines, uh, help me remember what the benefits to anything suborbital is like i i assume you can you know do launch overs to get spy pictures for the duration of one launch or whatever but but i mean it seems like like if you can't get to orbit you're very very limited right well that's not that's not they're not like like virgin space or whatever that that's like their only thing they've been building the be4 engine which is going to be powering uh, like like the Vulcan rocket or other rocket rockets for other companies or like Lockheed or whatever they work they have partners that are building stuff so they're understand outside of SpaceX and Blue Origin there has not been a new like American like rocket engine in something like thirty something years or something or forty years it's yeah. crazy and so and that's just like to Justin's point if the SpaceX didn't exist we'd be like hey finally and there are people who are like oh we don't know how to make them anymore and like even american aerospace ah it's the russians of the metal experts really it's it's a lost thing there but if you want to spend five billion dollars and help us we will get it back and then they went and did it you know privately so it's going to be used in the vulcan centaur and then the new glenn so they have their lineup of rockets they want to build uh if you see that they have they want to do drone ship landing too they want to do all this they want to build the new glenn then they have the new you know these all like the they have the new shepherd is which they have now the new glenn so they plan on building their own big reusable rockets um, it's just, I think the the pacing is I, just, yeah, I, I, I'm so excited for this. I'm, I'm, I'm truly excited because I think that not only is blue origin again, only lagging because SpaceX exists, but also SpaceX has, has trailblazed a lot of ground 
there there's there's a there's a big old slip and slide that that blue origin is going to be able to use now because a lot of these things at least we've seen successful examples of what's happening and i think that if there's one thing that we can have a billionaire versus billionaire guys who are going back and forth trading the title of richest man in the world depending on where tesla stock is at any one moment uh of if, if we want to benefit from a demeasuring contest between those guys, the, the the winner will be humanity as we uh, try to traverse the, the stars. And it's, I don't know if we need to do it for this audience, but every time I tweet something about space, I get the, we need to spend this money on Earth, you know? Well, excuse me, I'm going to go back to playing, you know, some video game for five hours because I'm really an effective measure of how we should be spending time and resources. Um, and... It is it is one of these things where and I, you know it's the people who yell the loudest are kind of the least informed and it's like there are a number of technologies that and not just because everything that goes into space are astronauts use but aerospace materials all these sort of things if you look at like what's used in prosthetic limbs and a lot of the stuff we're using things carbon fibers materials that came from aerospace if you look at a lot of a lot of technologies whenever you try to solve a problem that's a big problem in some direction. It benefits everything else, not to mention when we look at what happens with experiments done in space, like we've been able to, you know, 20 years ago, we we're making protein crystals bigger than we saw that helped us understand what happens inside things like insulin and other things. So there are so many to, to think that you can just say, it's not worth the effort is like. You know, electricity. Come on, we have steam. Why? Spend why more money on steam? Why would we need to uh, spend all this money sailing the Atlantic? We could. That could be yeah. best used here. Uh, uh, look. Uh, oh, I. I. There are some people to argue that we shouldn't have. Just. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree that there's a lot of priorities here on Earth, which is why. We want to explore space as efficiently and cheaply as possible. And I am very excited that SpaceX and Blue Origin are pioneering ways to make that happen, as opposed to the gigantic money suck that we had before that basically, in return, gave us, what, three lost uh, decades of space progress. Well, there was, I mean, there, I would say the NASA story the smaller missions and the and the deep space probes and those things, those are amazing. That's an amazing yeah. level of success. Anything be it bigger, and, and I get I, on my Twitter feed, I have like, oh, well, like, well, NASA star for funding. This is embarrassing. And I'm like, how much more money do you want to spend on the James Webb Space Telescope? This person doesn't even know what that is. You know, how much more money do you want to spend on SLS? They don't know what I'm talking about. You know, but like, like that's part of the problem. Is you get a lot of these people, they just don't even know. You know, it's like, you know, let me tell you guys how to play Hearthstone. Exactly. You can't. We know it all. Speaking of which, did did you ever announce that you hit ledge? Of course, yeah. yeah. Mobile only legend player. I'm the mulp. Well done. Hashtag mulp. Cool. cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, I, I don't I'm, know what that means. Uh, just hashtag mulp. M O L P. Just everybody right now. Just mulp it. Mulp it up. Uh, number one mulp. That's me. Uh. I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped to see Bezos put more time into this. So what do you think if if we're going to say in a year, oh, this is definitely a sign that Jeffy B put his put his uh, uh, a shoulder into this with with Blue Origin Andrew, what do you think we'd see? Uh He's got this amazing facility in Cape Canaveral. Like, it's really cool. You go there and you see this big facility. He's built this really cool machine. You can see how they've taken a lot of the stuff kind of like from some of the Amazon ways they do stuff to do it, but it's just not the same kind of, like, um, efforts. The new Glenn is going to be the thing we really need to see. Like, it'll be fine to put the B4 onto, you know, engine into another rocket engine but it's going to be great they made an engine to have their own vehicle with a reusable upper stage is really going to be the big deal i have no idea when we're going to see that they've been showing the new shepherd you know like they're going to start doing suborbital flights where people can go on there and go do that i'm like that's cool but like you built you built a theme park ride yeah you know you built a theme park right there and not to say discount like brian asked earlier what's the value there's value for like one astronaut training weightlessness or certain kinds of experiments you can do with a few minutes of microgravity there's a lot of value there but yeah it's not you look at that like cool 
let's go watch a Falcon night. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know? Uh, so I kind of think he's got all the money who knows what they're working on. Like we, we could see, a, a, we could see a new Glenn on a launch pad tomorrow and yeah. not know that it was coming. Uh, I'm excited because I, I would I would love to see that level of progress. I would love to see uh, uh, a a Pepsi to space, uh, SpaceX's Coke. I think it would benefit everybody. It would, like the, the yeah. human race, it would benefit. So, speaking of space, uh, Avi Loeb uh, was one of the astronomers when we had the. And I'm bringing this up. It's not a lot of new information here, but he's got a book out. He when Umamu. Umumu, which was the space object that came within 60 times the distance of the Earth to the moon towards the Earth, the interstellar object, which came through and we're like, what is this? Is this rendezvous with Rama? What's going on? Started slowly departing our solar system. And speculation was, ooh, is it alien? Is it this? Whatever. Uh, and we still don't know. We still have pretty good you know, explanations of like, oh, it might be like hydrogen ice because it was had behavior, which it appeared to accelerate and move away. Which, if it was a comet doing outgassing, you would have seen some sort of debris, but we didn't. And so it's like, well, maybe it was hydrogen and we didn't see it. Anyhow, Avilo, who was the like chair of astronomy at Harvard, like very prestigious position, not, not your average crackpot, uh, was one of the people who said, I think it's alien. And now he has a book out, uh, which is basically making the claim, like, oh, yeah, I believe this was an extraterrestrial object visiting our solar system. And he's been making the rounds. Uh, and so, well, and when you say extraterrestrial object, do we mean like a conveniently shaped rock or do we mean an intentionally created spacecraft? I mean, alien. I mean, it's not the, 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 the fact that it came from another star system is nobody's questioning that he's saying alien spacecraft. Um, and it, man, I, I wonder what the heart of the argument is, because uh, yeah, the, the, the old skeptic canard is. When you hear hoofbeats on the horizon, think uh, horses, not unicorns. Like, I, I, I don't know why it makes it a shorter path to add intentionally created by alien people than, than what would be expected from a funky-shaped cigar-looking rock. Well, that's, he, he has in his original paper, uh, he goes through six points. He has six points of which why he thinks it is. And, and that was there was a nature team that went and then— did their take and sort of dismantled all six points saying like, you know, like point <laughs> one was like the fact that it came this close to earth would indicate that it was intentionally sent towards, you know, in our direction to go look at us or that, that, that there would be so few of these objects out there in space. The fact that it would come this close. And they're like, no, there are probably trillions of these objects, you know, in a light year, you know, cubic light year of space. They're not that rare. The telescope that observed it was switched on, and it's one of the jobs to observe these things. And we predict, like, we'll be finding these one a year. So they're like, no, it ain't that rare. He's like, it's rare. And they're like, no, it's not that rare. Um, he goes into, you know, some other arguments like that. But then, like, the motion, the fact that, like, it behaved in a very weird pattern, the luminosity of it, how bright it got. His, his, he's saying, I think it's a solar sail. He's like, I think it's a solar sail. And it was, like, tumble. But then he's like... But I think it was tumbling. It was a derelict solar sail. Like, all right, now a little unicorn like there. And he goes through, he has like, you know, his points he make, and then you can read the rebuttals to those points. But it's, it, it is, I would say what's interesting to me about the argument is like, I'm frustrated by the reaction of a lot of scientists. You like people like put on Twitter, like, oh, they, like, I was asked to comment and I said, no, this guy's a crackpot. And I'm like, that's not a scientific argument. That's not, that's not science. That's mean girls. You know, that's like, you know, Carl Sagan would take on things like Velikovsky and just these crazy things. Other astronomers wouldn't even go near and say like, no, a lot of people want to know why. And if we're just going to give them people arguments from authority, I'm a prominent astronomer and I say this is stupid. Well, then you lost. Well, well and, I, and then you get into the dumb question of like, uh, 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 well, you're platforming a person with a crazy idea. And it's like, uh, yes, all people should have a platform. It's sort of baked into the First Amendment of, of, of our country's founding. Well, and I think it's in this specific issue, if we're going to go from the meta to the micro, that's the point of this podcast. <laughs> the very genesis of weird things is literally three people for whom try to think of themselves as. Uh, uh, objective and and uh, skeptical on these things as possible, 
diving into these issues and looking at these issues and trying to establish the facts as best as we can as as amateurs. So I'm uh uh I, I don't know. I I I I share your um your 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 frustrations that that sometimes this is not uh uh yeah this is this is too easily dismissed because people want to look cool. And I don't I have issues with Loeb some of his logic too. Like I mean he uses all the Sherlock Holmes claim, you know, you remove the impossible, whatever remains, however unlikely is what's like and like, well that was Doyle. That was really it's really a bad way to think about things because you always have the opportunity for explanation X, which everything actually is. We don't know exactly how everything works. Everything is also yeah. some version of maybe what we think is true. So I'm like, no, it's not like, oh, out of these five possibilities. No, we don't know that those are the only five. And so that's my problem. Number one is that is that like, well, is this or it's that like, well, this could be a lot of different that, you know, this versions of what things could do. Uh, the other one is he has he's, he's been saying like for us to think you know that we are alone is the height of arrogance and I'm like that's an argument from emotion and you could flip that and say for us to think that we're intelligent life is so special and neat there must be more of it could be considered arrogant it, it doesn't get you anywhere well that and also to me it's like okay I'm I'm cool with saying somewhere else in the galaxy there is something that we would determine as uh, intelligent life. That to me is not the same argument as there's a spaceship that showed up and then left. Like that—that exactly. that is a totally different argument, and I don't think it's arrogant to say, "Oh, there has to be another civilization that has a spaceship that came to Earth." That—that—that that, that is not something that I think is is the same as as saying, "Oh, we we might not be alone." This is a big, big, big play area. Uh, so it, it seems more likely that we just would never even know they existed much in the same way that everybody on earth will never know that the vast majority of the rest of earth existed. Yeah. So I, you know, I encourage, like, I'm glad he wrote a book about it. And, uh, you know, for people like, ah, people might be swayed by this. I'm like, Oh, cool. I, I mean, I don't know that that's, that's something that you and I have had conversations both on and off air for yeah. for years and years and years yeah. the least favorite argument on the planet is but the dumbs will think dot 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 and i and I, I, I despise it with every fiber I of my being prominent skeptics in the 90s upset with the x-files going oh this, this shouldn't be there because because people whose names you've heard of like people think it's true it's like it's a fictional show it has writers doesn't matter it's, the, it's dumbs, like, the dumbs the dumbs think think yeah. more about what the dumbs will say who, who let the dumbs out <laughs> duh, duh, duh. <laughs> ring the dumbbell but only in the proper manner that uh, advocates what i think the dumbs should think uh so I want to veer a little bit uh, into slightly controversial here. And okay. I, I don't mean to have to talk about, I don't want to bring up, you know, the pandemic or COVID every podcast, but something interesting has happened. Matt Ridley. I mean, I, we, we, rational- are, we are, by the way, coming up on the year anniversary of us first talking about, uh, about, about COVID. And it was, it was right here on, on this show where we were, you you were you were very very early on. Hey, we should pay attention to this crazy thing that's happening in China. I pulled up my Amazon record. I was buying masks in January. I pulled up to see when I was January sixteenth. It's when I ordered my first group of masks because wow. I'm like, I, I I read. Hey, SARS like I ordered the CDC website. SARS like oh often respiratory. Huh. probably need masks. Probably the time like, for masks. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, genius. It, it, you know, it's crazy. Where's my Nobel? <laughs> like Google, SARS, like <laughs> I was, I was, I was thinking about this, and now because my iPhone just recommends everything to me, a year ago, uh, this would have been, uh, Iowa caucus week. So, uh, during the last Super Bowl, I was in a crowded dive bar in Des Moines watching the Super Bowl. I then went from tiny high school gym to tiny high school gym with people packed in yelling at the top of their lungs, half of the assembled political media. I then did the same thing in New Hampshire, in Nevada and in South Carolina before boom, 
everything changed. But it's 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 nuts to think of. And this was the first place that I remember hearing about it at all from Andrew personally and the Weird Things podcast. Yeah, uh, sadly, <laughs> I know. Sadly. So, so, so it turns out number one source for our science news, Andrew Maine, the Weird Things podcast. That is disturbing. <laughs> that is that is a frightening thought. So Matt Ridley, who is uh, author uh, author, he actually has a back, background in science too, but he's you know been more probably known known as a science author. He and Alina Chan, who is a researcher, have put together. There's an article which you can read now on Matt Ridley's blog if you go to Rational Optimist and click blog. And the headline is: Did the COVID nineteen virus really escape from a Wuhan lab? And he and Alina Chan go through this the whole timeline and the history of what's going on there and it is frustrating because it is a question that people don't want to ask and scientists have just sort of shot this down like oh you're saying that it's it's an engineering chimera how dare you that's wrong like one no that's not necessarily a specific claim and two actually you could make chimera viruses that would not be detected there was just a lot of just weird like early on when this suggested there are a lot of people in the scientific community just tried to shoot this down immediately without facts, without details. And sometimes people, and this is my lesson for 2020 was like, I always knew that experts are kind of only, only experts in their own field. And then I realized they are narrowly experts within their own field. And they yeah. don't realize when they deviate from that, even slightly. Um, and that was a big illustration for me. This was just watching people say things like, no, like we know this isn't likely to be true. And then later on, Oh yeah, it turns out this other thing was true. And like, you should have known, but here they point out like uh, it's really worthwhile reading because I'm not going to do a very good service to it. But there's problems of like missing records, entire like papers that were filed by you know research papers by you know uh, by that lab that left out like prior examples of things that were like relabeled, all sorts of other very hanky stuff that you go through there. If somebody was trying to hide an accidental lab leak. And you had a very powerful authoritarian regime to help you cover it up, it would look exactly like what's going on right now. The fact that it is a year later and who researchers are finally getting to go to China to go look into this. In every book, every science fiction scenario, it's a week later when the virus breaks out and the team is on the ground finding the case. It is a year later because the Chinese were so resistant towards this. And and let me make it very clear. Part of the reason we know this is because some very brave Chinese people and Chinese researchers have been yep. trying to get the story out and tell us what's going on. And there are heroes over there. There are hero scientists. There are hero people there. And some of them have actually lost their life trying to fight this disease. Some of them have been imprisoned and whatever for trying to help other people understand what's going on, the narrative, and not speaking to whether or not it was lab leaked or whatever, but just people trying to communicate. And so this is, if any criticism is towards the government and the bureaucracy, and we will throw that at our shade at our own too. Let me be very clear. Cause like, um, there are some absolutely heroic people over there that are just dealing with a system that for us, it's frustrating the outside. Imagine being on the inside. So, so, so how much of the narrative that we've heard so far from China can be trusted? And I suppose even as I say that out loud, I know the answer. Um, I assume I, not very I much. I don't, whatever you can confirm, you know, the problem yeah. is, is like, like, where did it come from? Like, that's a question. Where did this come from? I mean, we don't know. I mean, we, we, we're, we're told wet markets, right? And that, but then they discounted the wet markets because, or they remember they still kept the wet markets going. Was it pangolins and whatnot? And then we kept hearing that it was from here, from here. And then we found out some of the earliest cases had no exposure to the wet markets. And, and so, so and, we're, and, and the, I've heard stuff out of Chinese officials that have suggested. Oh, it, it might not have even originated in China. It might have originated somewhere else, and we just happened to get a bad case of it, but then took care of it because nobody's because of the three hundred people that have died in China from COVID, uh, thanks to the heroic work I mean, that's of the one government. Of, that's one of those things where it's like, look, man, uh, uh, scammer to scammer here. Uh, I ain't even gonna fault you for lying, but but can I teach you how to lie a little bit better on a world stage? And <laughs> like, they would look to you and say, yeah. Really cute how you lie to dozens of people. Uh, we're in the business of industrial strength, billion person lying. Well, Fair also, enough. they 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 don't have to be convinced with their own population. They don't have to be convincing. The lie is just the signal to not talk about it, because then if you talk about it, 
then you find yourself being spoken to. And that's ultimately the biggest thing. It's like, look, what, what can we know? We know when we see buildings and hospitals being built in Wuhan. We know when we see verifiable elements of, uh, of you know, things being shut down, when, when they're shutting down movie theaters, when they're shutting down uh, uh, cities, right? But we know that there are certain things that they can't control getting out. Beyond that, who knows? And that's for anybody who's like, oh, this wasn't a lab leak. I'm like, based on all the information I've seen, and this is literally just an outsider who's trying to put something together because my biggest instinct is, can I find out enough to put a story together simple enough that I could repeat it? And that's like, you know, the general idea of a journalist. So every time I read okay. anything here, all I know is that you hit a wall where we're not going to know because China won't let anybody in and, and their word is just unreliable at this point. And if that's the case, then I mean, who knows? Like we, we can take guesses and, and we can, we can have suspicions, uh, but they are, they're valid to me until I see anything else. Let me, I'll paraphrase. I don't want to, it's a lengthy article. I don't want to uh, read the whole thing, but like, Part of the story is in 2012, six men clearing bat droppings in a disused copper mine fell ill with some strange disease. And one of the experts who was uh, one of the experts on uh, SARS-like viruses went in to go inspect this and it realized this was a SARS-like virus. And uh, some of them, some of the tests on these miners were performed at the WIV, which is the lab in question here. And they deduced it was caused by SARS-like COV or bat SARS-like coronavirus. Um, and then they sent several more expeditions there to the, the Mojiang mine to catch sample bats. So this lab had been actually trying to investigate this virus there and looking into this. And apparently they brought back uh, at least nine different SARS-like coronaviruses and some other Chinese labs sampled from there too. And then one of the principal researchers involved here, Dr. Xi, was at a conference when she heard about an outbreak of infectious pneumonia. And this was in 2019 in Wuhan. And she rushed back to find out what's going on. Uh, and then she had wondered in Scientific America, wondering, could they have come from her lab? And then she concluded, no, they did not. OK, uh, but anyhow, the point is, is that. Let me read this paragraph. Dr. She found that part of the sequence of the novel coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 closely resembled a short sequence from a VAT virus her lab had collected Mojang in 2013. <sighs> However, in publishing this finding in her first nature paper on COVID-19 in February 2020, Dr. Xi made no reference to Mojing or the miners and published the bat virus under a different name, RA2G13, from the one used previously. Nor did she mention that her laboratory had sequenced and studied RA2G13 as early as 2017 and not after the outbreak of COVID as readers of the Nature paper had understood. And these weren't reversed until another researcher, Rosanna Segreta of the University of Innsbruck and Yuri Dagna of Uther and Genetics, uh, basically went back there and found out that they'd been tipped off by some Twitter user who says, hey, check out these sequences here, check out this stuff here. And they realized that like names, virus names have been changed, things have been redacted, et cetera. And so there's a lot more going into there of like just uh, why is this being omitted? Th and this is the problem with restricting information is that I think it'd be fair to say that the three of us and, and, and I don't know, I haven't, I haven't talked about, I haven't talked to Bryce specifically about his <laughs> thoughts on China, but uh, I think that we could be categorized as China skeptics <laughs> in terms of, of, of their forthcomingness of information. And when you have an absence of it, when you have gaps in this, you just simply don't know. And our instinct, our bias will be to fill in with, well, then what are you hiding? And that's what I well, genuinely believe. But the problem is, is like, let me, let me, let me just give, give an, an example. There right now is a discussion about Clubhouse, the app here in the, uh, you know, made here in the United States. And the discussion here is about how Clubhouse has been denying uh, memberships to journalists because the point of their app that they want to do is create a safe space for people to talk. And so to do that, they want to deny people that they believe are going to violate that and make the experience worse. And it is an invite only thing. It's right there in the name. That's the conversation that's happening in the United States. The conversation that's happening in China is clubhouse got banned today and we're done. That's it. That's a wrap. Oh, oh specifically because it has a focus on, on a, a private experience. Yeah. yeah. And 
That's also, it. I don't believe for one second that there's anything private about Clubhouse. There's a reason I have yet to participate in one I mean, look, but again, this is the conversation that you have in a world where we're deciding what levels of free speech we want to have and whether or not it's really private, whether or not it's semi-private, whether or not it should be, if it has an obligation to the press. These are the conversations that you have when you're built on top of this operating system. In China, they don't have it. The government just said... No clubhouse, so you can get around the Great Firewall and do it illegally, but as far as that is, is, is concerned, it got too popular, the government can't control it, and clubhouse isn't based in China, so you're done. Like, and and that's just, just a difference. Let me just add a couple more details here. Uh, so in those papers, no genetic data was provided for the viruses mentioned, and the WIV, that's the lab's virus database, has been was taken offline at the beginning of 2020, and they were told, they told the BBC, oh, it's for security reasons. So their database of virus, they just pulled that offline. They're like, sorry, you can't look at this. It started this whole pandemic. Yeah. And the BBC and Associated Press, they had sent some journalists, and this never got the attention it should have. They sent them to go try to visit the Mojing Mine. They are told by place. They're stopped by these random roadblocks would pop up like, oh, sorry, wall the world. I mean, the world, world, uh, you know, roads closed. Um, and... They were they couldn't speak to vendors at the seafood markets. Uh, they just weren't they couldn't, you know, no outside and people been able to even go look at this. And I mean, if you were innocent of this thing, I think you'd be like, uh, come, let's go take a look, guys. Let's figure this out. You know, right. this is like Ted Bundy cleaning his VW in front of the police investigators in his driveway because they don't have a warrant. In my mind, and again, I'm going to stay up front. This is from the mouth of a China skeptic, but I believe full stop, there is a lot more information that we don't know because the government is blocking it. And I personally, if I were making a bet, I would wager <laughs> that indeed there is more culpability on the Chinese government about the spread of this disease than we currently know, uh, uh, if not something as horrifying as 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 the worst case scenarios that that have been laid out i would bet on the worst case scenarios if if in some bizarre i don't know what irish uh what what, what irish sports book would take those take that action but i would lay money down on worst case scenarios yeah i in absence of anything else like i <laughs> You got you got to read this. They talk about the pangolin, like like how like the samples and stuff from there, how they're a mess. And there are just so many things that are obvious. It's, it's not like conspiracy theory, like oh, there's a guy who said this. Or it's like clearly Alfred. Like, did they shut down the database? Yeah, they did. Did they stop this? Yeah, they did. Why? Well, and I think part of the problem is, I think a lot of people, and within the scientific community, you have people who look at there's virologists, there's the, and the people work together. Like we provided some funding to this lab. We've done this. Also, turns out this lab was also dealing, doing military research for the Chinese military. But hey, there is a sense of gathering the wagons and protecting because the fear is like, oh, we don't want you know, if you're doing this sort of research, you're always feeling kind of threatened because you need to do this research, which means working with dangerous things. And if we don't understand them, then we won't be able to protect against them. And I think that we're seeing some of this sort of people circling their wagons, believing in good faith what their colleagues in China have told them and thinking like, yeah, we, we, you know, we believe you and we got to stop this, you know, this, 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 these, the dumbs from trying to think that it's anything else. But They've been they've been manipulated, and they're too egotistical or prideful to admit the fact that this is what's happening at this point. Is my opinion. I yeah, I don't know. I I I think it's very very important that we illustrate that what we are talking about here is the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, the authoritarian regime that runs that country. I think it's important that we highlight the fact that what we do know is the word of people that were arrested and in some cases we still have questions of exactly what happened to them in terms of researchers that got word out before they were they were given a stern talking to um so uh, uh if and now we're getting into more kind of like socio-political conversation but china being as big of an economic superpower as they are uh makes this thing challenging when you're talking about organizations like the WHO uh, and even the way that our own government uh, has to deal with them. 
because we deal with them different than we deal with Mexico, than we deal with Russia. Like that is that is not quite the economic superpower that that China is. We have to we there's a lot of money invested in our in our relationship. And so even in in administrations like the one that that uh, like Trump's, you saw that he had to you know, tiptoe around certain things. And, and we're certainly seeing that uh, w- w- with this administration. And that's, that's hard when, when what we really want is information about this globally crippling pandemic. <laughs> and I, I would add to, it's like people say net China will never admit to anything. Oh, you're probably right. But that doesn't mean that our own media and our own scientific community has to go along with that. And that's been the frustrating part is there's been not enough criticism not you if you bring up the idea of of it being a lab leak whatever oh it's a conspiracy theory i can show you articles of people shutting this down by the way i can show articles of like don't worry about covid it's just another flu from people with phds and you know mds behind their name point is is that like there is this on our own side this unwillingness to even bring attention to it or be critical or skeptical of this or put pressure there that's what's frustrating i get an authoritarian regime they're gonna do what they're gonna do we don't have to go along with that. Yeah. You know, we value free speech, we value freedom, and we need to, you know, when we have people who are preventing that. And what's the difference of finding out all the difference in the world? Because there were things that they may have known about COVID that could have helped us earlier on, not do our our we won't get into the whole no mask mask thing, but anyhow, uh things about the origins, things about you know, research they did, already having, you know, strains of it that could be researched, looked into. What happens with the next thing? If this is the pattern we follow for the next thing that comes along, it's bad. It's very, very bad news for everybody because we haven't really shown that we've learned the lesson from this one, which is um, trust but verify. That's a crucial, te- a crucial tenant. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm having a hard time solving the prisoner's dilemma for any one news organization, though. I mean, it's like, you know... Here at the Weird Things podcast, you know, we're able to say, hey, this is these are our speculations and opinions. And there's there's not really much of a blowback that we can face uh, by getting canceled by China or whatever. But for major news outlets, uh, um, I, 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 I understand that they're all defaulting on the prisoner's dilemma. And I understand why, but I don't have a good argument as to what they would gain to make a crusade out of out of calling it out two million dead brian two million people two million people are dead what's the toll next time because we don't put pressure what has been the impact we've been experiencing right now economically for certain news agencies what have you from this i agree short term you go like ah do i really want to and one there is the price of your soul but two because like people die it is literally people dying but second is it like if it happens again, there's an economic impact, and it's a sort of thing where, hey, the, our our playbook for how we handled it is it going to be what we did now? And you know, are we going to go like, oh, we had millions more died? Who could have known? I don't know. Maybe we should have put more attention back when this happened on where this came from and why and how to deal with it. Uh, I get your point 100, percent but I would say that even economically, it's 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 bad in the long run. But I also think the the reasons for not wanting to do this aren't necessarily even that it's that calculated. I think that it's like. You know, we they if you're a news organization, the person you talk to in health or science is going to be your PR or health interface just over there. It's going to be somebody who has a PhD in their name but really hasn't done much work in this field in years, or they're a person that is goes to conferences and stuff and appears to be surface work but isn't particularly knowledgeable. And they're gonna tell you, oh no, that's yeah, that's not really it, we don't get there's not a lot of investigative journalism going on. Most of the stuff I've heard about mainly has been like BB, you know, the BBC has been trying to push into this even further. But here dropping the ball and i think economically i think it's you know unless you're just flat out worried about oh the chinese are going to stop buying ads on our network that's a reality but there's a lot of other investigators and people out there who could be doing this and even our own government or even our own health officials who should be immune from this have been hesitant to partially because you find out oh so-and-so is going to investigate the origins of it like wait didn't you work with that lab aren't your friends at that lab yeah like this is hardly an independent commission to find out what's going on i think Part of it is also that in our current media landscape, we have a lot of echo, you know, so somebody will, will ask a question and then we've got the Google brigade of, well, I Googled it and this sub and this study says it, it absolutely isn't. 
And so that's my blog post. And then that blog post gets an echo. And then we go kind of, you know, back and forth. It, it, it's hard to suss out where the real incisive stuff is. But I think, Andrew, your point, which is like, we're not taking enough swings at this. Uh, if, 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 if we are, if our default position is, well, that's a conspiracy theory, let's move on. Then we're, we're by our very nature, not looking as hard as we can to, I mean, the biggest story of, I mean, the last hundred years, like, can you name a story? I mean, if, if a, a tenant of news is proximity and therefore a story is bigger by the acreage for which it affects, I don't know a large, certainly not in my lifetime. I can't think of another story that had the kind of effect worldwide for as long as it has had an effect. It's it's the literal story of the century. Maybe war on terror. It's hard to you know because you if we look at sort of the uh, the you know we we look at like we think like ah TSA sucks like yeah but if you live in the Sudan or you live in you know some of these other places that have been in the periphery or whatnot you know African countries and other places that affect it not just the Middle East you're like no you felt an effect on that yeah um but that, that would be no. yeah that'd be true uh but also if you're in Hong Kong. You'd be watching the TV and saying, man, that's some crazy trash happened between the U.S. Yep. and the Middle East. Yep, yep. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, it's, it's sad. So questions are good. Forgiveness is good, too. I made a mistake. Cool. I like the fact you told me that. Those are valuable things. Those are, those are the, the ability to admit and the ability to accept. Well, yeah. The problem is also systemically with with the Chinese power structure is that they don't exactly get golden parachutes. It's not like it's not like like uh, uh oh. oops, somebody screwed up. Oh well, uh, go ahead and no, uh, uh, get, get go to your country home, buddy. You're shamed. Uh, You're canceled on Twitter, Mister. I don't mean them. I don't. I don't mean them. I mean here. I oh, mean yeah, you get yeah. people who who get scientists and researchers who get into a position and then get this double down on it, and then years later you're like, this wasn't true, and they're like. What you don't understand is, and yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Any picks? Uh, yeah, I'm listening to a CBC Canadian Broadcasting Company podcast uh, called Satanic <laughs> Panic. Uh, turns out there was a lot of satanic panics, including in the sleepy town of uh, what Manitoba, I think, um, in Saskatchewan, uh, and uh, it's it's really wild to to hear how there was like a sales pitch complex of of experts who went around and and sort of sold the uh the 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 story and uh, uh coerced the same story out of all the kids and then everyone was able to say well if it's not real how come they're all telling the same story and the answer is is because there were brand ambassadors going out to teaching people how to extract the same story from all the kids it's uh it's wild stuff and man, that's that's a great topic when we talk about the the subject of expertise. These people doing this, many of them were child psychologists and people who we trusted and would assume that they were impartial, you know, people bringing into this. And you realize, no, they clearly had their own agenda, or their own point of view on stuff, and they would be going to court and they would say stuff that was unchallenged because who would think to challenge? You know, this, this person obviously knows how to talk to kids and interview and do this stuff, and it, it's just that. Um, I, I want 2021 to be the year that like, great. You got those letters behind your name. We want to see some receipts. Yeah. Uh, my pick is Zillow, Zillow.com. Do you like looking at real estate? Uh, SNL actually had a really funny uh, and almost too uncomfortably close, uh, parody ad for Zillow as a, uh, a, 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 dirty talk hotline i, I but, mean it kind of is like i definitely five years ago put it on my phone and as i'm driving around in neighborhoods be like let me just get a sense let of me zillow uh, real let quick me just open this up be like oh that home is 1.5 million dollars it's uh uh i'll tell you what uh especially in austin uh don't believe the prices but uh it certainly is a great resource and it has dominated my browser history over the last month uh cool. Uh, I I haven't been watching very much stuff lately. I've been busy with the Marvel stuff, but uh, WandaVision is still pretty good. Uh, WandaVision I'm gonna, is great. 
Uh, I think the new episode's uh, uh, pr- pretty good. I think it's, I think it's winning me over and my icy attitude towards Marvel. Just icy, Brycey. A little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. You guys, you guys are watching Wandavision, right? Oh heck yeah! Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. All right. So Wandavision. 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 <laughs> you got a pick, Andrew? I do have a pick, and this is a. A YouTube channel I started following just a little while ago. It's called uh, Cool Worlds or Cool Worlds Lab. And the guy does the presentations. I didn't know anything about it. I watched him do like a couple episodes where he's talking about science stuff. I'm like, man, this guy knows his stuff. He seems pretty sharp. It is. He's, I'm learning stuff. And I'm like, he's pretty cool. And then uh, I realized that the uh, the guy who does it, David Kipping, is Professor David Kipping, who actually runs an astronomy lab. Um, so I think he's qualified, uh, you know, I think he's legit and he talks about, he did a really, actually I went back and I watched the one he did on Umamu, Umumu, um, and talking about AV Loeb's, you know, claims and stuff. And I thought he did a really fair job of it. I thought he did a really good job of somebody who is an astronomer, who's got skin in the game and he's done some really cool other stuff about a lot of different topics. And, uh, again, coming from somebody who is a researcher doing real work doing you know looking for he's discovered tons of planets by the way which i have not done um and so i'm inclined to believe his opinions over my own but I, it's really cool so cool worlds lab and i because i remember it's oh it's the cool worlds thing and he's a pretty smooth talking guy i just thought he was like some youtube dude didn't realize bona fide real scientist who is very smart and talks about a lot of crazy stuff which you know uh really interesting so that's my pick nice Gentlemen, it's been weird. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.